you get a songbook on your way in? I hope so, because I've got some work for you to do. You can turn to page 57. On the bottom of page 57, you'll see that uh, this is today, January 15th. Here's our first reading, and our reading is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the first part of that reading is what I want us to focus on today. The Lord said to me, you are my servant, Israel, through whom I show my glory. Now the Lord has spoken, who formed me as a servant from the womb. Do you notice that word servant? This is part of what is called the servant songs. And the servant songs are four passages in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapters 42 to 58. And they describe God's servant. Now, who is this servant? Well, the scholars that study such things say that it could be a particular but unnamed individual. It could be the people of Israel as a whole. And that's certainly in this passage today. It speaks, you are my servant Israel, seems to be an indicator. But you know, from early on, the Christians recognized Jesus in these descriptions of God's servant. Now, over the course of this year, as you listen to the first reading, there's going to, you're going to see there's a number of times it's going to be from Isaiah, and, and it's going to be from one of these four servant songs. And you'll notice that especially to be true during Holy Week. These readings help us to understand who Jesus is for us. But here's the thing, when we pray with the scriptures, we are invited to see ourselves in the words proclaimed. What is God inviting us to hear today when we hear the words of scripture? And I believe that the Lord is speaking to each one of us, you are my servant. I have formed you as my servant from the womb. We just had a baptism at the 8.30 Mass, so we just had a little baby, so we, that little girl didn't have a clue about being God's servant, but she is, that God is looking out after her. From the very beginning of our existence, God has a purpose for us. A couple weeks ago, following the death of Pope Benedict, I shared with you a quote from his inaugural homily when he became Pope back in 2005. He said, Each of us is a result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. And I would add to that, each of us has been formed as a servant from our mother's womb, through whom I will show my glory. Now that's the first reading. That's what I hope you to take from that, that image of servant. Let's turn the page to page 58, and you'll see in the middle of the page, second reading. It's taken from 1 Corinthians. Now this is from the very beginning of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. He's writing to the church in Corinth. 
Corinth is a seaport in Greece. And he writes in there, you'll see, he says, uh, to the church of God is in Corinth, to you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy. Okay? Called to be holy. Now, I want to say a little bit about Corinth. What do we know about Corinth? It was a seaport. It was a rough and rowdy place. And as you read through Paul's first and second letters to them, the Christians in Corinth were no angels. They had lots of issues. And yet, the call to be holy, Paul will continue to insist on. This is their calling. This is their destiny. Now, I want you to notice in that passage, it's not just the church in Corinth. Paul goes on, he says, called to be holy with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think all of those everywhere would include Grand Ledge, St. Michael, January 15th, 2023. We too are called to be holy. I'm guessing we're not all angels either. But you know what? The call remains. How do we live out a call to be holy? Does it mean that you spend all day in church? I hope not, okay? It does spend, mean some time in church. We, we need that. That's a good thing. But what I would direct you to is to what Jesus identified as the greatest commandments. He said, the first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said, this is the second, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to be holy. And the best way I know to do that is to love. Now you can look at the bottom of page 58. There's our gospel from the very first chapter of John and the very first sentence. It's John the Baptist who saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That may seem like an unusual way to greet somebody, okay? But John was a special person, as was Jesus. And John's whole mission in life was to point us to Jesus. That's why he says at the end of this passage, you can see that in the top of page 59, now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. That's what John is about. He helps us to see Jesus as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Now I'm going to ask you, have you heard that phrase before? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes? Did you hear it at Meyer or where? <laughs> you heard it here, maybe even from me. <laughs> yes. It happens every time we have Mass, right before we receive communion. I'm going to ask you to use your songbook one more time and turn to page 28.
page 28. And, and by the way, this whole first section of the songbook, this part in the gray, if you've ever wondered about, well, what is it I'm supposed to say at Mass? Well, this is the order of Mass, so that's got it in there, okay? And it's got it in bold print just to make it easier to spot. But here's the part, the part that's not in bold print, a lot of that's my part to say, okay? I got it in bold print up in that book. But on the top of it, it's, you can see right before receiving communion, the priest says, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And as I'm saying that, I'm holding up the blessed host. I'm holding up the Eucharist that we have, Jesus says, this is my body. Do this in memory of me. That the same Jesus who John the Baptist pointed out, that Jesus is present to us when we gather together in his word, in our gathering, but in a particular way in the Eucharist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, do you remember last Sunday we celebrated Epiphany? That's about the three magi or wise men or three kings. And we started Mass by, I, I said that these, these magi, they came from the east to give worship to Jesus, baby Jesus. And then I invited you to think about which direction you came from in order to come to church. Some of us had to think a little bit about that, all right? But here's the thing. I can tell you, we come from the east and the west, the north and the south. We come as men and women, young and old, married and single, divorced and whittled, uh, and by the way, professed as well. And... We all come together. Uh, we come together in the Lord. And that's, when we come together in the Eucharist, that's to give us a glimpse of what awaits us. And that's what that final phrase on the top of page 28 is about. It's, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And then the priest says, blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. What is the supper of the Lamb? What does that mean? That is a phrase, it means the heavenly banquet, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, when the kingdom of God comes to its fullness, when all of us, all called by God, come together, those who have gone before us in faith, uh, all of us. The Eucharist gives us just a little glimpse here on earth when we gather together of what it's going to be like when we're at the Supper of the Lamb. That is our destiny. That is our calling. But in the meantime, while we're here on earth, let us be God's servants, called from the very beginning of our existence, called to be holy, called to love God and love one another.